Father, today we thank you for the message of repentance that was preached so clearly and so boldly by the prophets of old. Give us ears to hear their words, to heed their warnings, and forsake our sins. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I've mentioned this in recent weeks, uh, but I love, especially in these high liturgical seasons, I love the ways in which uh, the collect of the day really points us in a certain direction. It tells us where we're headed. And um, the collect that we just prayed a minute ago uh, speaks to the centrality of repentance and the need for us to hear that message of repentance from the prophets uh, so that we can enter into the joy of Christ our Lord. Uh, and we will get to that. That's really why we focus on John the Baptist this time of year, in this season especially. And you may have uh, heard him featuring prominently in our readings today. But before we get to John, uh, I want to talk to you about plumbing. I want to talk to you about plumbing uh, because it's all I have thought about for the last few weeks. Um, and I want to talk to you about the way that plumbing relates to Isaiah chapter 40 uh, and to the Advent season, which I know is a very obvious connection, right? Uh, you immediately see it, don't you? Uh, so here's, here's why I want to talk to you about plumbing. Uh, about 10 days ago, I was in my basement at my home, and I heard a sound that sounded a bit like a fire hydrant inside my home. Um, problem is I don't have a fire hydrant in my home, and so that's a problematic sound to hear. Uh, and I came out of my office, and what I saw was uh, the water main to our entire home uh, shooting into the wall across the hallway, which is not a good thing to see. Um, temperamentally, I go into crisis mode in these types of moments, and I freeze, and I don't know what to do. Anything that requires urgent and immediate action, uh, you should never hire me for because uh, I'm a deliberative, calculated person. My wife, on the other hand, is a functioning adult and knows how to handle these situations. And so she comes downstairs, sees the water, sees me kind of standing there like this, and uh, she goes over and shuts it off, and <laughs> we carry on. Um, that led to about four to five days of thinking about nothing but plumbing, uh, digging down um, under our crawl space, you know, replacing piping. I mean, just the whole thing it was a nightmare. Um, on the other hand... Uh, a much smaller reason I've been thinking about plumbing is two of the bathrooms in our home have leaky faucets. These started out as a uh, slow drip you could barely notice, and then over the course of a week or two, they've kind of grown into a steady, slow, but steady flow. Um, as we speak, the water main has been fixed, and I am confident this very moment both of those faucets are still dri dripping. Um, and I say that to say this is kind of the framework through which I want us to look at this second week of Advent and our readings today, because in life we have situations that require urgent and immediate attention. And then we have situations that we think we can put off, that we will get around to when we are able and when we have time. You've heard it already now two weeks in, Advent is all about waiting. Advent is all about being ready and being made ready for something significant. And so we wait and so we prepare. And yet this is something we choose to do. You choose to enter into Advent. It's an invitation. Many of us, I'm sure, have had years in which we've said, I'm not going to do Advent this year. 
I'm just going to check out. I'm, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm distracted. Uh, I just can't be bothered. And so uh, we don't. And so we don't enter into Advent. We don't get around to it uh, because we feel like it's something that we can get to when we have time, uh, maybe especially because we've done it often. You know, if you grew up with this tradition, you uh, have done this over and over and again, and maybe it feels like, uh, I, I, you know, I just, I know the routine, I know the drill, I'll, I'll get around to it later. Isaiah is where I want us to focus our time today. And if we enter into this season through the book of Isaiah, what you see is it's a season born out of the experience of a people who've had to wait for a very long time. That's, in many ways, the summary of the Jewish people. They, especially what we find in Isaiah, is a people who are waiting and waiting and waiting for centuries. They're waiting. It's not a single isolated moment of crisis. Um, it's not like they uh, heard this promise of God and then immediately saw action and then redemption and healing uh, in a single moment. No, it's this promise that they've lived with and hoped for, and yet most of them have gone entire generations wondering how in the world does this actually apply to my life, to my lived experience. Uh, that's where we see these phrases in Isaiah, like, how long, O Lord? When will you comfort your people? And I feel, if I'm honest, as that is true of ancient Israel, it's, it's also true of us in some ways as well. Maybe especially in 2020, this is the moment we find ourselves in. Uh, we don't feel the urgency or the crisis. We feel more... Uh, like a weary, exhausted people who've been sitting in a same or similar place for a very long time. And I don't know how uh, the last nine, 10 months has impacted each one of you personally. Um, I know some of your stories. Um, and yet there is a shared experience that I think is by and large true of all of us here in the room or watching at home, which is 2020 began for us in March, like January and February don't count. Uh, it began in March, and it began as a crisis, this moment we could not avoid. All of a sudden, this pandemic is forced upon us, could not be avoided, could not be ignored, pushed aside. We all had to confront it and deal with it. And yet, over the coming six, nine, 10 months, as we're going to look now at over a year of living in this place, it's given way to that steady drip of weariness. We feel worn down by the persistence of it um, in a way that nothing has changed. It feels as though we're kind of just stuck in this place. You know, people have said it's the year that's lasted 68 months. You know, it's that sort of feeling. And so in some, I mean, Jonathan Good spoke to this last week. If you watched or were here, uh, he, he said we've been in this perpetual Lent, this perpetual Advent. It's like it began in March and hasn't ended. And so we, in some ways, can relate to a people who feel this extended, prolonged season of weariness. And here's the question for us today. What happens? What happens when you're in a season of life like the one we're in now? that is prolonged with very little change and in many ways, very little hope of an end being in sight, at least in the immediate future. We grow inattentive. That's what I want us to sit with. We fundamentally grow inattentive. We fall asleep and we think we can ignore it because it has lasted so consistently uh, for so long. And if I'm just honest with you, as a pastor, this is my greatest fear for us, for the church, for the family of God, that I feel like in 2020, we have fallen asleep. We've grown inattentive to the life of discipleship and what it means for us to actively, in an intentional and deliberate way, live out our life of faith. 
Last week, we read Mark 13. Twice in the same breath, as we kicked off Advent, Jesus tells us to do two things. He says, keep alert and keep awake. Keep alert and keep awake. And so Advent uh, is meant to not be a continuation of that lull, that weariness that just kind of carries on to the end of the year. No, it's meant to, uh, to crash upon us and wake us up like a symbol crashing. It's meant to awaken us out of our stupor out of what has otherwise been our norm for months and months and months, for the people of Israel, for years and centuries and entire generations. And so yet, what we have to do is it's not just enough to wake up. You have to wake up to a certain direction. You have to wake up to something. And so we should say, what, what are we meant to wake up to? And that's where John comes in. That's where John the Baptist and the theme of repentance comes in, which we've heard throughout this reading today. The second week of Advent across the Western world and the Western church is always centered on John the Baptist. Um, we read the same passages of scripture every single year. We focus on the same themes and we look um, as the family of God directly at the life of John and the message that John the Baptist proclaimed. And so what do we see? In Isaiah, you see, um, you see this in verse three. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And you see those words picked up again in our gospel reading in Mark 1. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then what then, what then does John actually say? A few verses later, what does John say? The, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so that reading, both in Isaiah and in Mark, what it tells us is this. When we wake up, as we wake up, we're meant to wake up to a life of repentance, and we are meant to wake up by focusing on Jesus Christ. And those actually go together in a profound way. Uh, repentance isn't something you'll hear often this time of year. Repentance does not, by and large, carry that warm, nostalgic glow that we love of this season. You know, you're not going to hear many Christmas carols about uh, repenting on your way to the mall, though you should. We need carols about repenting on the way to the mall, or maybe leaving the mall. That's, <laughs> um, that's probably true. But who, who, no one goes to the mall anymore. That, that was true before the pandemic. Um, Here's the thing. Repentance is actually at the very heart of this season. Now, though it may feel foreign, it may fee, feel like an awkward insertion into all of the themes we otherwise live with this time of year, it is actually the very heart of what Advent is meant to be about because repentance at its very core is a re-centering on Jesus Christ, re-centering on the life of Christ and then asking of ourselves, where am I in alignment and where is my life misaligned? Where do I no longer represent the life of Christ? Where does it fail to represent Christ in the way I live and the way I relate to other people. And we can't ignore that. We can't blow past this. We can't say this is an optional theme you can pick up and kind of add into the rest of what we call the holiday season. It's fundamental to what it means to be faithful as the family of God. And so we wake up. We point to Jesus. That's what John the Baptist does. I mentioned this a while back, uh, last time he came up with the lectionary. If you ever look at a painting of John the Baptist, ancient icons, medieval paintings. Sometimes it's hard to know who's who. They all kind of look the same, um, and they all feel 
distant and foreign, but you can always tell John the Baptist because of his finger. John the Baptist, in almost every depiction, artistically, has a finger out, and he's pointing to Jesus. Uh, you can come look at this icon after that I'm conveniently blocking at the moment. Uh, but it's, a, it's an Advent icon, and John the Baptist is in it, and uh, he's pointing. He's pointing to Jesus. Uh, and so if you ever wonder what is the heart of John the Baptist, why he's so significant to the Christian story, it's because he points to Jesus. That's what it means to be the forerunner. He prepares the way by pointing to Jesus and saying, that's what you and I are meant to do as well. We are meant to live lives that point to Jesus. And so when we point to Jesus, when we look at Jesus as we wake up, what do we see? And this is where we can land. What do we see? Uh, we see in Jesus that the way to glory is the way of humility. We see that it's the way of mercy and forgiveness. We're meant to see our own faults and not judge our brothers and not judge our sisters. The message of all of our readings today is that the way down is actually the way up. The way down is the way up. Whoever wants to be great, Jesus said, must be the servant of all. And I want to close with the third paragraph we read from Isaiah. We don't read this section as much. We focus on that second one, or the first one, about comfort, and we focus on uh, the preparing of the way, but we kind of skip over, and it's less common in our imaginations, this idea of going up a mountain. And that's where I want us to end. Uh, because what's interesting is Isaiah tells us to be great. Isaiah says, rise up the mountain. Rise and ascend the heights of the mountain so you can see the coming glory of the kingdom of God. So you can hear it with your ears and see it with your eyes. He says, get you up. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good tidings, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might. The glory of God in Jesus Christ is the mystery of the ages. It's the very heart of our Christian faith. It is the mystery at the center of the universe. And yet, we are invited to see it. Jesus draws close at Christmas, so we see his glory. We hear the good tidings with our ears. And so, in Advent, we begin a journey of repentance. We go down so that we're able to ascend. That's the vision of Isaiah. We go down so we can actually ascend the mountain, so we can see with our eyes the goodness of God in Jesus. And so here's the question I would leave you with. What is today, in this moment, keeping you from ascending the mountain? What is holding you back from actually ascending with Isaiah, with the prophets, to see the glory of God? What is the sin in your life or sins? What is the brokenness, the death that still lives within you that is keeping you from entering into this journey, from being awake and moving ever closer to our Lord Jesus. We think we can ignore it. We think we can put it off. And yet you and I will never actually ascend. We will never actually enter into glory until we deal with the things that keep us tied to death. That's what we see in Jesus. Before Jesus ascends into glory, what does he do? He descends he dies upon the cross, descends to death in Hades itself, and speaks life. He speaks victory as a conquering king. And you and I have to do the same. Before we think we can enter into glory, we have to go to the depths of Hades and say, where is death still alive within my life, my relationships, my soul? And how do I invite Jesus to enter into that place and set me free and to speak life where there is death? Sometimes, like a broken water main, 
those moments of death and brokenness and sin in our lives are unavoidable. It's like a crisis. Secrets long hidden are discovered and revealed, and you have to deal with it. It is unavoidable. And yet, so often in our lives, to stretch this metaphor, we think we can avoid them. It's like a slow drip that we can sleep through, and we think, I'll get around to that. And yet, I think the message of repentance is to say, we, we can't get around to it. We must deal with it. We must say, Jesus, come and help set me free so I can actually see your glory, so I can actually live a Christian life the way you long for me to live it, so I can live in your joy and the goodness of your kingdom. Where have you fallen asleep in your faith? Where, as the Song of Songs says, where, where have the little foxes crept in, the little foxes crept into your vineyard that threatened to steal your joy and to catch you off guard? In Mark chapter 1, verse 2, what we read today, the first word that is quoted from Isaiah is the word see. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. And I think that's at the heart. Advent is an invitation for us to learn to see, to stay awake. As you're awake, you begin to see. And that's why we pray. It's why we fast. It's why we serve the poor and serve those in need. Those are practices that keep us awake, that teach us how to see. And so that's my prayer for us. This second week of Advent, as you sit with themes of repentance, as you hear throughout the week the message of the prophets calling us back to repentance, may we see Jesus and deal with the brokenness in our lives, even in this difficult season. May God give us the strength to do so. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As you are able, would you please stand, and we will together affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.